Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, I ask you to please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and our YouTube channel, where you can access all our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in the faith journey. Enjoy. When we ask Jesus into our hearts, we aren't just asking for the covering of our past sins, right? We are asking for the guidance going forward that as David said in Psalm 23, he will lead us in the paths of righteousness. And again, David said, for his name's sake, he does this. Now, we're talking about being in Christ, okay? And although Adam and Eve were originally created to be perfect, they weren't due to sin in their lives. Listen to what, uh, listen, and, and we aren't due to sin in our lives. We're born with a fallen nature. Listen to what, uh, what Paul says to um, the Romans in Romans 8. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Paul says that the person who has their mind set on things of the flesh aren't just separated from God, but are actually hostile towards God. This is what Paul says to Titus in his letter to Titus. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior so that having been justified by grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Paul says the washing of rebirth. That's our justification there, the washing of rebirth. To be born again, to be born again means we are justified, okay? Then he says the renewal of the Holy Spirit. That is our sanctification, okay? When we, were born, when we were born initially, we were born with a sin nature, but something happens when we turn our lives over to Jesus. We are indwelt with his spirit, and to be in Christ means to be born of the spirit. Peter put it this way, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Many people talk about being born again, but we have to remember that being born again isn't a lifestyle. It's just the beginning. Just as we're born and we grow from infancy into childhood into adulthood, it's the same way with being born again. We give our hearts to Jesus, he indwells us with the Holy Spirit, and we grow into spiritual maturity as we surrender more and more of our lives to him. Listen to what Paul told the Corinthians in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. And I'm going fast here. I'm sorry for you people with Bibles because I go to the scripture and then I can hear the pages rattling, but I don't give you time. <laughs> Everybody there? Okay. Uh, and of course, if you're on the YouVersion app, we have all the, all the notes on there, all the, all the scripture. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, that, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. He made us a new creation, and even 
and even our own sin and refusal to walk the way he wanted couldn't separate us from his love. John said in 1 John uh, 4 that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. He said not that we love God, not that we loved him, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In Christ Jesus, we were redeemed and our sins were forgiven. We were justified before God. As Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, God made he, him who was, had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah. This, is born, this is born again. As Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, we're called not only to be born again, but to live with the evidence that we are born again. And I'm not saying that we are to live so that we can brag and tell everybody that we're more born again than everybody else. That's not what I'm talking about. Because listen to what Paul told the Ephesians. In Ephesians 2, he said, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. Nobody here can boast about how righteous they are. Listen to what he told the Galatians. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. To be saved is what Jesus did for us, and to continue in Christ is to allow the leading of the Holy Spirit. If we get back to that, that clip I was talking about with Alistair Begg, the point of the story is when we walked, when we get to the gates of heaven, when the angel says, why are you here? It's not because I did this or because I did that. It's because he did this for me. Right. That's what it's about. Now, we're also told to bear, bear fruit. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And Paul describes this fruit to the Galatians. He says, in continuing in chapter 5 from before, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, one thing you have to notice about that scripture is Paul doesn't say... The fruit of our grit and determination to be great Christians. He says the fruit of the Spirit. Whatever you do for, for love, whatever you do for joy, and for gentleness, it is because of the Spirit living in you, okay? Now, we're all going to stumble though, right? We'll move away from the leading that the Holy Spirit is trying to accomplish, and I can say for certain that there's no one in this church who has never stumbled, uh, who's perfect. And I can say that with my hand raised the highest, okay, right? Um, if you've come here, uh, I don't know if there's any new people here today, I wasn't at the door, but if you've come here seeking the perfect church, sorry, <laughs> this isn't it. Uh, like Pastor Tim says, if you're looking for the perfect church, you're never going to find it. And even if you do find it, it's not going to be perfect when you get there. <laughs> Man, that's hard. <laughs> you know, that reminds me. That I, John Steinbeck was, uh, was one of my favorite uh, um, authors growing up. Amen. And uh, 
he, he wrote this little book called Travels with Charlie. I don't know if any of you ever read it, but uh, what it was, he wanted to travel uh, across the United States. He wanted to get out and meet the, meet the, the people that he had been writing about. Uh, he wanted to, uh, to hear their stories. And uh, so what he did was he traveled across the upper United States, down the West Coast, along the lower United States, and back up the East Coast. And he got this, uh, he got this, uh, one of those uh, campers that you set in the back of a pickup truck. And that's what he lived in the whole way across the United States and back again. And he, he, he took his, his little poodle, I don't know how little it was, but his poodle named Charlie with him. And so thus it was Travels with Charlie. But, and I don't know where it was. It's been years and years and years since I've read this book. But uh, I think it was in the northern United States. He, he decided he wanted to go to this little church. Uh, he wanted to attend a service. So he went to this little country church. And he said this pastor was one of those fire and brimstone preachers, you know, how, telling out people how terrible they were, how worthless they were, and how, how they were saved, but they didn't deserve it. And he said he came out of there feeling so bad, but he felt so good that he felt so bad that he thought about beating Charlie, so maybe Charlie could feel good too about feeling bad. <laughs> That's what I feel about, about that. Uh, won't be perfect when you show up. Oh, well. Uh, okay, where was I? Uh, where was I? Oh, back to stumbling. Uh, James said, uh, listen to what James said. Um, I think I'm on the right slide, right? Look at, look at Jordan. Man, he's, he's, he's on the ball. Jay Talk. Yeah. Uh, whoever, ke whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in just one point is guilty of breaking it all. Now, I added this scripture here because we have a tendency as Christians to say, well, I might do this, but at least I don't do that, right? Or I, I, I might not be that good of a Christian, but at least I'm not as bad as her or him, right? And Jesus, listen to what Jesus talks about. He talks about this in Luke 18. He says, um, he's talking about people who are confident in their own righteousness, and he's talking about a Pharisee. Uh, who's standing in the temple and a tax collector standing next to him. And the Pharisee says, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. While the tax collector, he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus went on to say that those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And this is probably why uh, John says in 1 John 1, uh, verse 80 says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. When Jesus died on the cross, he made the sacrifice that covers our sins. When he ascended into heaven, he sent the Spirit to live in us to cover our present sinfulness and our future sinfulness and lead us in the paths of righteousness. So listen, Jesus died for our sins and he lives for our sins. His death justifies us before God, as I said before, and his life through his spirit living in us sanctifies us before God. Amen. Now what does that mean to the world in general? This is what Paul said to the Corinthians. 
The God of this age has blinded, oops, I'm sorry, Jordan, I think I messed up. Uh, the God of this age, is, this is 2 Corinthians 4.4. Uh, 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. It's not just that they, can't or that they uh, won't believe, it's that they can't in some cases. Um, he goes on, he, now we're here. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 2, and this is my fault, not Jordan's, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are only discerned through the Spirit. We have a job, we are in Christ. And they sang about it uh, during praise and worship. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, what, does, what, does, uh, what does Jesus say in Acts 1.8 we are to do with the power of the Holy Spirit? We are to be his witnesses. But as I said before, we're up against another power, or as Paul said, he calls it the God of this age. Paul begins Ephesians by telling them and us who they are and who we are in Christ. And we've heard it a lot because pastors have been going through Ephesians for the past how many months? He tells... <laughs> Dustin said years. I didn't say that, Pastor. He's lost. But, <clears throat> but the, past the pastor... Paul, don't be making comments. I can't handle it. Paul tells the Ephesians and us. The, Paul tell, yeah. They're getting back at me. Paul tells the Ephesians and us who they are and who we are in Christ, right? But then he ends the book of Ephesians by telling them and us to put on the full armor of God because our weapons, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spirits, against principalities, right? Um, where am I? Paul begins, I've already said that. A question we need to ask ourselves after we've accepted Jesus into our hearts is have we, have we given our hearts to Christ? Yes. We can say we're Christians, we can say we're born again, but have we stepped out of this world and stepped into Christ? Are we walking in Christ? Now listen, listen to what Paul wrote to the Philippians about his old way of life compared to his new way of living in Christ. He was a very religious man. Paul was a very religious Pharisee, okay? He, he studied all his life. But this is, what he, this is what he says to the Philippians in uh, chapter three, starting in verse seven. But we're, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the sur surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, none of us wants that, that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Yeah. Something we need to remember is that our righteousness isn't something that flows from what we have done or what we are doing for Jesus. 
Our righteousness comes from our position in Christ. And to keep our eyes focused on what our true mission on earth is, we need to adjust our heart's desires as the praise team sang about it today. You know what? In all honesty, we don't, we don't talk about, uh, and I don't think Pastor Tim or Dustin, you know, they don't talk to each other uh, before the sermon, but I, th- I, f- I just feel these, these, uh, these songs went so well with the, the message today. This is, this is what Paul told the Colossians. Listen to this. And it's not that we don't talk. It's just that uh, I don't share my ideas or, you know. Uh, anyhow. Uh, Paul told the Colossians, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts, listen to this, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Listen to what he says to the Ephesians. I keep asking, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Set your hearts and minds on things above and pray for the wisdom to know him better through the revelation of his spirit. The question shouldn't be, what can I do for God? But rather, what can I allow God to do through me? And that comes from our surrendering to the Spirit's leading. I've said this before. All other world religions are man attempting to reach up to God and find favor with him. Christianity is God reaching down to bring us to himself because he knows that we could never do that. And he does do that. But if we stray, we know... As the writer of Hebrews says, he is able to completely save those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Yes. Listen, listen to what Paul, let's go back to Romans for a second. Listen to what Paul says to the Romans. Who will bring any charge against us? Everybody knows this scripture, right? Against those whom God has chosen. Is it not God who justifies? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is always interceding for us. Now let's, let's see, let's look at what, uh, what, Peter, what uh, Jesus said to Peter. Whoops, what Peter, Jesus said to Peter. In Luke 22, Jesus says, and this applies to us as well. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all as wheat. And I'm sure he's asked to sift us all as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. When you have turned back, not if you have turned back, but when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. You see, no matter what you're going through of your own making or circumstances beyond your control, Jesus is interceding and pulling you through it. And when, not if, you come back from the other side of whatever you're going through, you'll be able to strengthen your brothers and sisters. Listen yes. to what Peter wrote about, the, about the, the enemy wanting to sift him. Peter went through this. This is him talking about what he went through. Be alert and of sober mind. First Peter chapter 5 
Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He heard this roaring lion roar to him. He went through this uh, like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. When our lives are made into something other than what God intended by way of sin or by way of disregard for God's will, we can't restore them by putting on a show or working up God's favor by virtue of our own actions. And the only thing that can restore our lives is the infusion of the one who originally created us by way of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The more we surrender to the indwelling will of God, the clearer it becomes to us, not only who God intended us to be, but that we can't attain the person he intended us to be by our own volition. We can only do it by his leading. Yeah. Whoops. There's a lot of talk nowadays about identity. Yeah. About who we are, about who we want to be, about who we think we should be. The two problems that uh, we see today that affect the attitudes about uh, what our identity should be is, number one, what standards are we using to determine our identities? As Christians, right here's the standard, okay? The world uses really different standards and we can see so much confusion and so much hurt and so much pain today of people trying to figure out who they are and that's not what God intended. The second thing is, how do we intend to achieve what we have determined to be our identity or better, what God has shown us to be our identity? The only thing that we can use to determine our identity and to attain that identity is by faith in Christ because righteousness and our true identity comes from Christ. Listen to what Paul told the Romans again. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to you, God, for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous. And Paul was zealous too. He was an Israelite who was zealous for God. But their zeal is not based on knowledge since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own. And we can see that today, establishing their own righteousness. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the combination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Everybody has their own personal idea of what righteousness is and what others' righteousness should be. When others speak into our lives, for better or worse, it works on how we see our lives and uh, how we live our lives. Now, I was fortunate when I was growing up. I had some really good teachers and some really good coaches who spoke into my life. And I took what they told me. I took what they spoke into my life, and I disregarded it for about five years. <laughs> but then, but then when I came back, I applied it to my life, and I got into the Word, and I was back on the right track, and I was able to speak into others' lives 
because I had come to the other side by his leading. Listen to what Paul, listen to what Paul told the uh, Romans. Again, in, in Romans 3, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and I fell way short for about five years. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. We are called to be obedient through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. And the obedience, that obedience leads to the fruit we had talked about earlier. Jesus says this in John 15. I am the vine, you, and we're talking about being in Christ today. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, in Christ, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. In Christ, if you remain in him, you will bear much fruit. Now that's another sermon. We're not going to go into bearing fruit today. But um, what, what the point is of that passage is we need to remain in him or we can't do anything on our own. Being in Christ means we look at the world differently than the way we did before Christ. Now, when we're going through times of trouble, as Jesus said we will, in this world you will have trouble, he said, we can be of good joy because he also said, I have overcome the world. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Whatever you're going through, he's there to help you in your time of need. And it's not just us approaching God with confidence, but knowing that God is working on our behalf. And I don't know, do I have this one up there? Yep. Listen to, listen to this. Now this, I'll tell you what, if you came in here today with a sad, a sad countenance or something on your heart, this right here is going to knock it off, I'm sure. In the same way, listen to this, uh, Romans 8, starting verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Do you ever feel that? Going to, God, you know what's going on. And you ever saw that? I saw this thing on Facebook where there's just a, a, a board with a bunch of letters on it. And then at the bottom it says, thank you, God, or something like that, you know, because God can put it all together. It says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit, because, listen to this, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with God's will. Isn't that something? Wow. Can, listen to what... Um, Let's go ahead and go to James, uh, Jordan. Um, listen to what James says. And this, is gonna, this isn't going to be that easy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I, I got to tell you, over the past lots of years, well, in my whole lifetime, I've faced a lot of trials and there's been very few times that I've considered it joy to go through them, you know? Uh, but James says that we should consider it joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Yeah. 
Let perseverance finish its work. And God may not be finished with you yet. I know he's not finished with me. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That's, that's something. We can be secure in the knowledge that God will help us through our adversity because we know that he's already walked through adversity on church, on earth, in the form of Jesus. Right. Isn't that wild? God has walked on earth through adversity in the form of Jesus. As I said a minute ago, the first part of the quote from the, from the writer of Hebrews, this is the, this, is the, uh, this is the verse before the one I quoted earlier. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. This is part of what Paul calls a great mystery. When writing to the Galatians, in chapter one of his letter to the Galatians, he says, he says um, the son who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, in him we were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible, all things were created, uh, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible. Then he goes on to say, listen to this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. If you're in Christ, you have been reconciled by his body. Through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. He goes on to say, he talks about, he talks about a couple verses later about it being a mystery. This is a big mystery. And he goes on to say, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Yes. That's the mystery. And he made known to us so that we could make known to others yeah. that mystery. The life we now live, if we are in Christ, is lived as the world lives. Paul told the Romans that if God is for us, who can be against us? And here and elsewhere in the New Testament, he not only says that God is for us, but he says God is in us. Dustin, you guys can come on up. When I was preparing this message, when I was preparing this message, a quote that I had read from C.S. Lewis came to my mind. And I think it, it just, it so accurately sums up this whole message. And I know you're saying, well, if this one quote can sum it up, why did I have to listen to you? But. Listen to this. C.S. Lewis was an atheist. But after much study to prove that his atheism was right, he came to believe that he was wrong and that Jesus was right. Listen to this quote. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Man, that's something. Yeah. 
When we're walking in Christ, it'll change how we interact with others because we see others differently. It'll change how we face adversity because through his word, we see adversity differently. Now we count it all as joy, right? Or at least we try to. And most of all, how we relate to God who created us in the first place. Let's go to the last slide, Jordan. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, apart from God, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. You did not choose me. Keep that in mind. You did not choose him. He chose you. He sent, John said this, he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He didn't, we didn't choose him, he chose us. We didn't love him, he loved us. He stacked the deck in our favor to bring us the objects of his pleasure to him. And all we have to do is say, yes, Lord, I accept it. Now listen, Dustin, the band's gonna play us out of here. And as always, these altars are open. If you have something going on in your lives, you can bring it up here to the altar. If you have something that's keeping you from the, the relationship that God wants with you, bring it up here and let it on the altar or, or, or let it wherever you are at your seat. Don't carry it out of this sanctuary today. Go out with the knowledge that God first loved you and that he still loves you and he wants to have that relationship with you.